1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
1: It's Wednesday, January 4th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access,
3: the podcast. Those are the voices of today's special guests. Voice number one is the host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast. She is the co-host of the L Huddle podcast. She is a dolphin. She is a Ruiz, an MJ Acosta Ruiz. Welcome back, MJ. It's great to be here, Drew. Voice number two belongs to the chief national reporter of NFL Network. He's a bison, a Howard University bison. He's Steve Weich. Welcome back, sir. You know. Yes, I do. I know you, and I'm glad and better for it. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. And we have some final regular season football business to attend to today week 18 matchups, clinching scenarios. We will hear from these guys on all of that. Michael Robinson will join us as well. So will Mike Yam, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner will join us as well. But guys, there is no football without football players. There is no National Football League without a legion of young men who put their reputations and their bodies on the line every single week. Men like DeMar Hamlin, who remains in critical condition in intensive care after suffering cardiac arrest and collapsing on the field Monday night during an NFL game. He's a 24-year-old young man. He's adored by his friends and his community. He is closer to his mother than anyone in the world. He's a kid who hails from a Pennsylvania town of less than 6,000 people. He went to Pitt. And MJ and Steve, as it turns out, he's really good at a game that went from a childhood passion to a professional Career. Guys, someone said it perfectly that as a community, we are all in the waiting room right now. MJ, you have been on call, you have been on air, and you have been on alert since 855 Eastern time Monday. That was the moment this young man went down. Help me understand, MJ, your frame of mind in the waiting room at this moment.
1: You know, it's when we say collective, I think everybody watching, whether you were watching by yourself, whether you're watching with your family or your friends, it was a moment where You needed someone there. My husband was downstairs in the garage getting a workout in. And I remember watching the replay again, then looking at the players. And I sprinted downstairs to get him. I said, I don't know why you just need to come upstairs and be with me in this moment. And I think collectively, that's how we all felt like we wanted to jump through the screen to be there with those players, to be there with them, De- to be there with his mother, even if it's just, you know, in, in spirit, um, watching this unfold. I, I had never seen anything like it in my career, certainly not in my life. And it's something nobody ever wants to see, um, certainly not go through and see it in person. So, uh, I, I think it almost felt surreal, uh, watching it. And still now, a few days later, watching it back, it doesn't quite feel real, but it is very real for DeMar, very real for his mother, for his family, and for all of those who loved him and who were on the field with him that night. And um, it's almost a coping mechanism that, and almost a blessing to be able to work as heavy as it is, but it keeps me occupied in the task at hand. In informing people, in sharing the stories of Demar, sharing who he is as a man, Um, and so I can't imagine for those who are just sort of sitting with those feelings and actually just waiting, like his mother is, like his uncle is, his father, his family. Um, So it's a lot to process.
3: Steve White, like MJ, you are in the business of sharing news, sharing truth, and yes, sharing stories. What is your story in this waiting room as we sit here today?
4: Well, you know. Look, initially I was like MJ. I had a buddy of mine call me and be, me and MJ a guy named Rupert English who called me, uh play football at Boston College. And he's like this guy dying. And I and I and I said to him, I was like, I, I'm revisioning hate gathers. Mm. I was old enough to know the basketball player who died on the court at Loyola Marymount. Not because we saw it, but we saw the reaction of his teammates. And when I saw Sean McDermott, the head coach, who's a tough guy, um, the look on his face, that's when I knew this wasn't like the head injury we were going to see a guy carried up and give the a thumbs up. So, you know, as the days have progressed, you know, we're hearing things are a little bit more positive today. We heard a series of news conferences from NFL coaches today for most nfl coaches today
5: where you know it, it impacts
4: their locker rooms i mean just like you know when sean taylor died i was working in at atlanta that's all the players for the falcons could talk about I mean, like you said this is a collective community we're all in the waiting room together hoping that things will continue to improve and progress the way it seems you know and you're just you know i put i think a lot of us put ourselves in the position as parents because you know you have a child and, and Andrew, you know this, his new father, you know, you will know your child from the very first breath that it takes, right? So, like his mother and father, I just, I'm sure their anxiety of waiting for a doctor to come up and say, okay, he's, he's good, it's, it's through the roof. Um, and, and all of his relatives who, you know, who helped nurture him. And then for everyone in the football world, just to kind of say, okay, we can, w- we can in some way, shape, or form move forward because, you know, the NFL, so they're going to be playing games but I, I don't want this part to be completely over. You had a medical staff on hand who saved this man's life, apparently. You know, so he's, he's he's at least you know, in critical condition, but they saved his life in the short term. Uh, they did this on a field where you're seeing 65,000 fans and hundreds of players and staffers on the sideline panic. They got him and his parents were there panicking. You know, they got him to the hospital where he's getting expert care same hospital, I believe, where Ryan Shazier was taken just a couple of years ago when he was paralyzed on that same field. And I, I just, you know, the acknowledgement of the first responders, and the medical staff and the people who followed through on their jobs as they had trained to do, I, I just keep thinking about them and being able to deliver and how grateful so many of us are that they were able to stand up at a moment when they were under heavy, heavy scrutiny, unbeknownst to them just because people were watching and, and, and helped again, to this point, saved Amar Hamlin's
3: life. You know, we witnessed and experienced, uh, to your point, Steve, a remarkable confluence of both action and emotion on Monday. The abject just anguish and sadness and fear that you both referenced in the faces of the coaches and the fellow players. But we also saw life-affirming empathy from Bill's opponents, both players and fans. And as you just mentioned, Steve, uh, and it cannot be overstated, life-saving expertise from the on-site medical personnel, extraordinary scenes that I have never witnessed before. Steve, you've covered this game for a long time. Have you ever seen anything quite like this?
4: No. I mean, look, I've covered a lot of sports. Um, Never seen anything like this. I mean, when I first saw the replay, which thank goodness ESPN only showed uh, one time, you know, where he stood up and fell down. I had a teammate take a headshot, popped right up. Because I mean, as soon as I mean, I was out on a pattern a couple of yards underneath him and he took the shot, he took the hit and I was like, oh man, and he popped right up. Eyes were blood red and five seconds later he sacked out. And, and so I'm thinking, okay, this is a flash knockdown like in boxing. And then when you came back from commercial break and, you know, you saw the reactions, you heard Joe Buck and that you were administering CPR. That's when it's like, oh man, I mean, I've covered a lot of sports, man. I've dealt with murders. I've dealt with murder suicides. I've, I've dealt with a lot of stuff in this career, but never have I seen anything like that, you know, especially the immediate impact. These things were tended to be off the field or away, this in the middle of a game on a play that didn't look, you know, anything out of the ordinary. And, and so I think, I think the majority of people who've done what we, what we do would say the same thing. I mean, we haven't seen this on a football field in my lifetime, although there has been a player who has passed on the
3: field before. As we know now, DeMar remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. That came directly from the Buffalo Bills. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. MJ, certainly the words, signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight, man, that is putting a smile, if not on my face, then certainly on my spirit. And I know you share that today. There may be no better account of what happened on Monday night than this one from Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor.
2: I've watched the TV copy just to kind of see what everybody else saw. And if you think about it, we're on the field We've been in that situation many times where there's an injury to an opponent and you give them the space to operate. And and um, so as our team made it on the field and you could see the reaction uh, of the players that were out there and how they were impacted, mostly their guys, a couple of our guys, you could you could quickly see the seriousness of the nature that it was different than anything we'd experienced. And during those moments, uh, all everyone's hoping for is the best case scenario with DeMar. No one's processing whether this is a game is going to be played or delayed that, that's not going through anyone's mind. I, I've seen the I've seen the TV copies now, and everybody else was kind of forced to think that way because because they're not down there in the moment. Um, so people get a chance to process what's going to happen. That that never crossed any of our minds. It was just how is this player going to going to be okay? The officials again did a great job of coming over to me and saying, "Hey, um, you know, they're they're still trying to process this moment here, uh, Coach McDermott and their team." And so um, instead of playing telephone on separate sidelines. The decision was made just to go over there and, and make sure we're all, you know, talking together. And and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had, except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow. And I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that, to me, provides all the clarity. Because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation. Because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really... Uh, Showed who he was. That that all his focus was just on Demar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital, and and at that point, um, I think everybody everything trended in in the direction it needed to trend.
3: MJ, a remarkable account from Zach Taylor, and I think we were all impressed with what we saw. The impression is what I mean that was left on us viewers as we watched with shallow breath, with great concern, and we saw the game dissolve into insignificance instantly from everybody involved, especially Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, who relied on each other in that moment to come up with a plan in the moment, not knowing a lot of details, of course, they're football coaches, not medical personnel, but they trusted their instincts. And man, I'm so grateful that they did.
1: I I really like the transparency with which, 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 Zach Taylor has approached this entire situation. Certainly that night, you could see that the focus was solely on DeMar, on the players. And, and he reiterated that uh, today. He said that never crossed any of our minds whether or not the game was going to be played. It was just how is this player going to be okay? And I thought it was, it was very thoughtful the way he took us through everything, right? Because he was actually right there, feet away in the moment, going through it with the players. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, it's an opposing coach. Like he can't possibly feel the same way that Sean McDermott does. And of course it's a different layer of it too, but I think the the compassion that we saw from everybody there regardless of what jersey they were wearing, regardless of what team logo they were wearing, was reflected today in how Zach Taylor addressed um, the media. Uh, And for him to go into that detail, knowing that it's still very, very fresh, this is still very open for him, for all of the players, all of the staff. um, I give him a lot of credit um, for taking us there because he certainly didn't have to. Right. I mean, we've seen the replays. We've talked to different people so on and so forth. And, and I think that just having sort of that intention of saying, hey, look, this is what it felt like for those of us who were right there. I think that says a lot about the type of coaches he is, the type of man and leader that he is certainly. And the fact that everyone right now is leading with humanity above all else.
3: You are listening to nfl total access the podcast i am your host andrew levy and with me today steve weich and mj acosta ruiz we are of course discussing the story but it's not a story it's a human being the young man on all of our brains in all of our hearts damar hamlin who remains in a hospital bed in Cincinnati. Guys, in some fields, asking people to compartmentalize their feelings and get back to work would be simply asking too much. It would be considered too brutal a request. And yet in this world, in this arena, the game does go on as soon as this weekend. Steve, it's a lot to ask of these young men to get back to work. And yet here we are. That is the task at hand. I guess my question is how? How do we collectively? How do these young men, young men like Demar Hamlin, teammates of his, opponents of his, brothers of his in this brotherhood of the NFL? How do they compartmentalize and get back to work?
4: Yeah, you know, and, and look, that's going to be up to each individual player and each individual head coach and the leadership on that on those teams because all, all 32 teams, are fact, I spoke to. A couple players uh, from a different team, a different AFC team. And, you know, they're like, they're going out there to win their game for DeMar. And they understand that their opponent will probably be feeling the same way. Because one thing about this, all those players saw themselves in DeMar, right? That could be me. And so they understand they have to play. Some of these guys know playoff opportunities are at stake. Some of these guys know that after this game, they're packing up for vacation, but they respect the game enough. I mean, look, I've never met a, a pro athlete who doesn't respect the game enough to go out there and take advantage of his opportunity to play a 17th game. And so, you know, they'll go out there and, and, and they'll they'll figure out a way. But I forget which coach said it today. I, don't, I think it was Nick Sirianni of the Eagles, but I may be wrong. said, look, we've got to understand as coaches that at some point in the game, our guys might be thinking of something else. Hmm. And, and so not all coaches are going to be okay saying that or believing in it. But if you go into the game with that type of open-mindedness to a human being's vulnerability, um, I think you'll be okay with if a mistake is made or if they're not absolutely in tune on a, at a particular moment. But it's not easy. I mean, look, there, there have been times. Look, the Washington football team had to figure out, you know, after Sean Taylor got killed, how to go out and play. You know, I was in Cincinnati when Chris Henry, the receiver for the Bengals, when they were a damn good team, when he died, in an accident where he was tossed or fell out of the back of a pickup truck. And those guys had to play like three days later. It's at the end of the season, just like this. I mean, they're in the playoffs two or three weeks later. They went out and played. And whether the football field was a like safe Haven, whether being with their 52 other comrades and coaching staff was, were the arms around them that they needed to get through. I don't know. Like I said, each person probably processes it differently. But the one thing I continue to hear over and over from people I talk to is before they step on a field in some way, shape, or form, they do want some comfort in knowing that DeMar Hamlin is, is still with us and that he's doing okay. I mean, I, I think the way things are headed are giving people some comfort. So, I mean, that's the one thing, again, I, I continue to hear, like, as long as I know he's okay, he's still with us. You know, that, that'll that make stepping on the field this weekend a, a little bit, you know, at least more palatable.
3: It bears repeating what we know at this very moment, which is 1.21 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, the 4th of January. DeMar remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight that according to the Buffalo Bills, who tweeted that out, he is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. I invite all listeners to go to NFL.com and to check in with NFL Network for the very latest on the condition of Damar Hamlin. MJ, we will watch games this weekend. We will cover games for the rest of this season. And yet, I think we watched together this electrifying response to something that was very, very frightening very concerning and remains frightening and concerning in real time to this very minute. But we watched a mobilization of energy and prayer and effort. Donations came in at a rate of $5,000 a minute to Damar Hamlin's charity. My question, I'm searching for a question, MJ, but I wonder if you'll agree with me that NFL fans will be invited to recast these warriors that we often think of, these gladiators in uniforms, somewhat disembodied behind their helmets. They're no longer people. Sometimes we we just see them as warriors as part of a conflict, an elaborate, entertaining conflict. I wonder if we will recast these young men as men, as human beings, maybe see the game a little differently and maybe see them as players and as people a little differently. My hope is that we will, and something tells me that we will. Do you agree?
1: I think this has changed the way that we see the game forever. Uh, There's a different texture now to the game, to consuming the game, even as just the most casual of fans. You know, I'm sure there were there were some kids there, or or even adults who were attending their very first NFL game ever, who may or may not have been a hardcore fan for their whole lives, who who just got a very real dose of of what the risk is for these men who go out there. And uh, Kurt Warner said it to me earlier. He he spoke about his wife Brenda and how she's always told him, "I I have no choice but to watch this game differently. You're my husband." you the father of our children. So I watch it from that lens, not from, hey, the starting quarterback, Kurt Warner, back when he was still playing, obviously. And that's the reality for the NFL families, certainly for all of the relatives and loved ones of these people. But for the vast majority of people, there's this disconnect, especially with NFL football, where it's the helmet, The helmet does create a barrier, not just to protect the player, but a a barrier of connection, right? Because you can't look in the eyes. Some guys wear visors. There is a literal barrier between you and the player. And I think this horrific situation with DeMar Hamlin has completely dissolved all of the barriers that may have existed between what you know of a player to be and the man wearing that helmet. Um, and, and so I hope that people remember that, not just to remember the horrific moment, but to remember more so the, the, the human being underneath, that they take that jersey off, they take that helmet off, and they have children, and they have wives, and they have parents, and they have friends who care about them deeply every single second that that clock is running, and every single second before and after.
3: We saw and heard scenes of Damar's mother, who was at the game, working her way down to the field with the help of one of DeMar's best friends and teammates. I was so glad to hear that she was able to be there. I know that it gave her as much comfort as it certainly did anguish in that moment. And I'm certain that it provided DeMar comfort as well. I believe in energy and I believe she was there for a reason that night. And I'm so glad that she was MJ. What you said was said perfectly. I so appreciate your thoughts on this, Steve, you and MJ have covered this game. You have been in places that most of us fans never go where you do look these young men in the faces and in the eye, you see them without their helmet on, you know, them as people, not just as players. I know that you're gonna be hugging your kids a little tighter tonight as I am as well. I don't believe that there is a takeaway on this, not yet, anyway. I don't think there's some great lesson to be learned, again, maybe not at this time. For now, we remain vigilant and hopeful for good news about Damar Hamlin's condition and for a continuation of what we are experiencing together, which is an extraordinary flow of love and support heading Damar's way, from all corners of our world, not merely from the NFL. Steve, I'll give you the last word.
4: Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, you imagine the humanity, you know, you're saying, I, th- I think his, his foundation's page, his charity now is up above $6 million to go fund me. I mean, that's, that's insane. I think it was at about $2,000 uh, before the game. And So this is heightened awareness because everybody feels like they, they, they want to do something because right now it's only the doctors who can do something to help tomorrow get to this point. And hopefully there is an appreciation of understanding that football players are human. That's not universal. There's a lot of people only gonna see football players for the fantasy football teams. There's still a lot of people only gonna see, mm. only going to see them, these guys who make hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. But for this pocket in time, you know, I think we are understanding that, you know, the the humanity in Damar and the and the people who helped to save his life and his teammates who who care about him, his parents who care about him shine. But again, I, unfortunately, it, it's, it's not universal. There are people who can't wait to see their new teams play and guys go out there and, and, and injure other guys and and things like that. And there's been some very disappointing behavior in our, with some of our media and in, in how they're covering this. And so I'm sitting back a little bit more from a 30,000 foot viewpoint on watching some reactionary behavior to see who is trying to manipulate the moment of tragedy, and who is really trying to show some decency and to understand that DeMar's an older brother, is a son, he's a nephew who happens to play football for the Buffalo Bills. Again, this is a terrible moment in time, and I, I am just praying to God for his family and for him that he comes through this okay.
3: I want to thank you both for your time today and your thoughts. Thank you for opening up your minds and your hearts and your souls to us we all join Steve and MJ in sending our prayers to the family of Damar Hamlin and to the young man himself, Damar. Hopefully, you will be listening to voices of support like this very, very soon. If you can hear us, know that we are with you. I want to thank both MJ and Steve, and invite listeners to stay with both MJ and Steve as we now join the Total Access Wednesday broadcast featuring Mike Rob, Mikey M and Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner.
1: We bring in now Kurt Warner, who was on site Monday night in Cincinnati on the call for Westwood One. And Kurt, we've been trying to navigate this as observers as best we can, but having been there, having felt everything in real time, um, I just want to go through your thoughts on what happened that night and what's been happening the past couple of days with Damar Hamlin after his injury.
8: Well, MJ, I mean, the first thing is your, your heart just breaks for... Mar and his family um, because although all of us as players understand the inherent risks, uh, nobody signs up for this. Nobody believes something like this can ever happen to them when they step foot between those lines. And, um, you know, being there in the moment, um, you know, as everybody else has said, it, you know, it's something that we've never seen before. And, um, you know, as we have to move forward into to week 18 and, and talk about football, uh, and how difficult that is, I just want the uh, the Hamlin family to understand that we're not moving on from our care and concern for DeMar and their family, that our, our prayers and thoughts will continue to be with them. And that remains the most important thing, regardless of, of what we have to do with our jobs. Um, and so that's my primary area of concern. But I also have concern uh, moving forward as we go into Week 18 and understand, as a former player, you step on that field and you feel you're invincible. Um, And that's part of why guys are able to go out and do what they do in our game. And so to see the faces of some of those players and those that are directly affected, and then to hear from other players that are going to suit up and and go out and play this Sunday, um, you know, how does that affect them as they step onto the field, you know, seeing the game a little bit differently, you know, as, friends and family. Uh, we've all been in a situation where we've got someone close to us that's dealing with something, um, you know, they've been th- through a tragedy, dealing with something of this nature. And it's hard to get our minds off of those individuals until we, you know, get some semblance of good news or we know that they're moving in the right direction. So how does that affect, you know, all of these players as they, they step back onto the field and, and try to compete? And then you know, for years, MJ, you know, when I was playing, uh, I would hear my wife always say, you know, when you step out on the field, I watch the game differently. You know, that I, that I see you first and make sure that, you know, that you're okay, that you get up before I can even celebrate uh, playing the game. And, you know, so I feel for all those mothers and fathers out there, having a couple boys that play college football, I understand to a degree, and all those friends out there that I believe will be watching the game very differently uh, moving forward after this incident. So, uh, you know, so many different emotions go on. It's, it's, it's so tough to talk about. Um, and, you know, a lot of people saying the same sort of things, but I want the Mar and the family to know that they're our primary concern. That's where, you know, you know our thoughts and prayers are going to be, but also going to be watching to make sure that we handle the rest of the concerns and situation uh, very delicately moving forward.
1: Yeah, we talk about perspective so much, Kurt, but this has truly changed the dynamics of not just how we watch the game, but how we feel the game and how we look at these players moving forward. Kurt, thank you so much for that. Once again, we're joined tonight by Michael Robinson and by Steve Weiss. And M-Rob, as um, Yammer mentioned, we not jokingly call you the president of Bill's Mafia, (laughs) but this goes so far beyond just the fandom here. Particularly for you, this cuts really deep for several reasons. Can you just take us through that?
7: Yeah, well, first of all, um, kudos to everybody involved. Uh, You guys uh, that that were covering over the last couple of days, I don't know how you do it, Steve. Seriously, man, to to sit up here and and talk about this injury. I mean, um, it was tough. Um, I was watching the game with with my kids. I was watching it with my son. Um, My youngest son, who wants to follow in my footsteps, he wants to play in the National Football League one day. And I had a a visceral reaction to it. Before I, I saw DeMar fall down, I just saw the hit. It reminded me of something of a special teams hit that I had back in the day a little bit when the rules weren't like they are now. And when he passed out, and I cried like immediately. And having to explain that to my son... My son didn't really understand why I was crying and why it hurt so much. And I'm like, B5, it's because I see myself. Mm. And I think every former player, I think every current player, every I call them gladiators, everybody that's went out there and, and risk it all and put it on the line for entertainment we'll put it on the line for entertainment. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, I thought about those guys and, it, and it's tough to watch. Um Sorry, man. I, I, this is my first time really going through this. In college, September 25th, 2004. I never forget the date. I was laying on the turf in Wisconsin Stadium. Ran a play-action pass. Got hit by a guy by the name of Erasmus James. He was a first-round pick out of Wisconsin that year, and I was laid out on the field. And when I saw Demar laid out on the field, I thought about myself, and I remembered a story my mother told me about her watching it in a, in a sports bar. She wasn't on, she wasn't there like Damar's mother was and feeling hopeless, right? Hopelessness. And uh, that's kind of what I thought about. I thought about his parents. I thought about everybody involved in this guy because we got to be honest, guys, NFL players, it's not just their families. It's their communities. Mm-hmm. It's the people they serve. It's this kid's foundation and the kids that he served. They all look up to him. Um, I thought about that. I thought about how they were going to kind of, Digest this information. And then lastly, um, I thought about just DeMar, second year in the National Football League. We hear the stats all the time. You don't get benefits until three years, three games. Right? I think about going yeah, right. forward, I think about his life, I think about. You achieve a dream. You play in the National Football League. You, you know a lot of us get benefits for a very long time because we played a very long time, and it's so hard to get to the point where you can get benefits. And this young man has has kind of had it cut short right now. Um, just sending healing energy out to his family. Sending healing energy out to the Buffalo Bills. Everybody, Bills Mafia. Everybody involved. I also, thought the Cincinnati Bengals showed a lot of leadership. Um, Zach Taylor couldn't have handled that any better. Just Joe better. Burrow couldn't have handled it any better. Just to quote him, he said, nobody was thinking about playing football. I wanted to go over there to make sure Josh Allen and those guys knew we weren't trying to play. We also have to say this too, and I've talked to people at league office, okay? I don't think there was any thought to play that game. I know there's online people are talking about, oh, you know, the NFL's this, NFL's that. Trust me, they call me Real Mike Robb for a reason, Okay. <laughs> There was no, nobody was trying to play this game, so we we have to put that out there. Um, Keep praying for this young man. Keep sending healing energy to this young man's family because he deserves it, and every football player, every gladiator that's worn a football helmet, they understand because they saw themselves in it.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing, Mike. They they saw themselves in it. I mean, that's why we saw the panic and the distress Mm -hmm. on the field. Like, that could be me. And to kind of turn the page a little bit, which is hard to do, the NFL is playing games this weekend.
7: Yeah.
5: Right? The Bills and Bengals have games this weekend. You talk about Zach Taylor. He said something incredible today. He says we have to move forward as a team. We have a game to play. But that doesn't mean we need to move past mm-hmm. the situation. And that's everyone in the league. I spoke to some players today from some other teams. Every one of them is thinking about DeMar and wanting to know his situation before they strap it up. Yeah. In their pads this weekend. And and so it's a tough circumstance. And just, and just real quick, this, all of this brings me back to a situation in 2009, how players can compartmentalize and try to function, but it's not hard. When Chris Henry of the Cincinnati Bengals, a wide receiver, died in a very uh, tragic incident where he fell out the back of a pickup truck. He was injured at the time. This did not happen on the field. However, his team had to play the San Diego Chargers four days later. And I remember being in Cincinnati, having to speak to players in between his death and that game. Four-day period. You have players like Chad and Carson Palmer, and Cedric Benson. I mean, really stud players who just couldn't. And Andrew Whitworth, the offensive tackle. He was young then. We see Whit now, but he stood up and said, I'm here, guys. I'm going to be the beacon And that leadership helped that team. They lost a close game to the Chargers that weekend, but they ended up making the playoffs through a very tough time. And that's something that these players all across the league are going to have to deal with to
10: compartmentalize in a way they never thought that they would have to, because this is different than anything we've ever seen. Yeah, leadership is important. Uh, Look, team side of things, we heard Mike already talking about what it was for Sean McDermott, and you're telling this story as well. You brought up those benefits. There was a conference call earlier today, Troy Vincent, indicating that DeMar will be getting those good, benefits good, as well. So I know you talked about that timeline. You're right, short on the timeline, but the league saying, no, 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 this is what we're going to be going and doing. Ian, I made reference to that conference call. I know you were on it as well. Hard to think about football, but I, I know right now teams are preparing for this coming week. So what's the league saying and what's next?
11: Well, there's some discussion about the game and what they're going to do with the Bengals-Bills game on this conference call. But I want to get to some of the health and safety aspects of this conference call. First, Dr. Alan Sills expressing gratitude. And this was a common theme to the medical professionals who provided immediate care for DeMar Hamlin. Truly incredible. He detailed the emergency action plan that every team has, every stadium has. We just never see it, thankfully. Until, of course, we did this Monday night. He talked about the preparedness of so many of the uh, health professionals who were there. Provided no health update on Damar Hamlin. Did say that it is possible he suffered from a condition called comodio cordis. But he said the important thing was how quickly the response was uh, from the medical professionals who were there. Troy Vincent got extremely emotional on this conference call as well, saying that the emergency action plan was executed to perfection. That quote gave our brother Demar another day to live. An emotional, emotional conference call. Uh, among the uh, the football related aspects on this aspects on this call were what's going to happen to this game, and there are a couple different options for how the NFL may replay uh, this Bengals Bills game or may not. And one of the options is simply call it a no contest or a tie. Uh, there is commissioner discretion to potentially call it a tie, go by winning percentage to determine seeds and buys and all of that. Another option, seemingly maybe more unlikely option, but an option nonetheless, is to move back to playoffs, play this game in Week 19, eliminate the bye between the championship games and the Super Bowl, and move on from there. Uh, those are the kinds of things the league is discussing. I would expect some sort of announcement at some point soon. But we don't know when soon actually is.
1: Taking a look now at the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, the Chiefs are the one seed at the moment. But look at the Jaguars making a huge push this latter part of the season. They now sit as the four seed, but still need some help to clinch a playoff berth.
10: We were having this conversation Mm -hmm. off air. There's a consensus at this desk that Jacksonville is going to beat Tennessee. So they'll be a four seed at this point. Most dangerous seven seed to make a run in the postseason. Who would you lean on?
7: I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I really oh. think it's that. I mean, if they get into the playoffs, I think uh, Mike Tomlin should win coach of the year. I mean, simply put, I mean, wow. nobody thought they would be in this situation. Um, Nobody thought that, you know, when Ben Roethlisberger retired, that this offense would be in a situation where they could get into the playoffs. And then when you have a guy like T.J. Watt, um, I call him a, a, a protection dictator. Mm. That means wherever he is, all five guys in the blocking unit, they're trying to figure out where he is and they're hoping that he's not lined up over them. When you have a guy like that, um, he totally influences and impacts everything that a team can do. And guys, you know, if a, if the opposing team can't score, they can't win the game. And I think offensively, they can do enough to be competitive. Um, but I just can't believe I'm saying that about the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Steve has been sort of going back and forth Yeah, on a couple yeah. of teams. Where did you land on the most teams? Yeah, I, I, I was, I, I was, was, was going to
9: say please. the
5: Patriots because <laughs> their defense is good and they got players in their yep. defense who can score. But... <laughs> I'm looking at the playoff scenarios, and I'm, I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins. Oh.
4: You go.
5: I'm going to say – I know. You My good? Heart. I told you you were I'm number right. one. I told you you were number <laughs> oh. one. I'm going <laughs> to continue to stop <style> <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I, I look at the situation, them getting into the postseason. They've got the playmakers, right? They've got Tyreek Hill. They've got Jalen Waddle. They've got Mike Kosicki. They've got some running backs here. Even though their running game isn't what it should be. I think they need to be leaning on that a little bit more. But I think they get past the Jets, and who knows – uh, if Tua can come back for the playoffs, I mean, you just don't know. The matchups for any of these mm-hmm. seven seeds yeah. is not going to be nice, right? It's yeah. not going to be easy for either one of them, but I think the Dolphins' explosive playmaking ability would give them an opportunity. You don't believe in the defensive play calling? Of on the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots.
9: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <what>? I mean <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Douglas, okay,
1: Marcus Fox?
10: Jones.
5: Yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah, I mean if they can catch the ball a couple of times a game too, you got it. Yes,
10: <laughs> that, that defense. Basically, scores more than a lot of offensive teams. Yeah. Some bad okay. offense. Oh, yeah. No, no, it is. Wa- and sometimes it's the walking wounded out there. I was talking to you guys about this before we got out here. They just continue. It doesn't matter who's playing in that no, it secondary. Doesn't. There's picks the, after it. because the guys six. up front get after the
5: quarterback, yeah. too, now. That's yeah. what it is. Ugh.
1: Both of these teams, the Dolphins and the Jets, coming off of five straight losses. Whew. Let's get into a little double coverage. Steve and I'm Rob. it's all you.
5: All right, I'm Rob. you're talking about the Eagles, right? Yeah. Are they going to get the number one seed in the NFC?
7: I think so. Now, first and foremost, we have to preface this by saying Jalen Hurts has to be completely healthy. I'm going to assume that he's healthy enough to play this week. I have to. If I'm um, Nick Sirianni in the Philadelphia Eagles, I got to play him. His ability to run the football, his legs puts this offense, um, gives his offense superpowers, Steve, because defenses play this offense differently when Jalen Hurts is playing. I believe A.J. Brown wants Jalen Hurts to play just simply because he gets more one-on-one opportunities. The offense Offensive line, um uh, 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 Sanders, everybody wants Jalen Hurst to play because, because again, it makes offense just a little easier.
5: And, and the leadership, they feel better, you know, about him. But Philly needs to get right, Mike. I think they're going to win this game and get the number one seed in part because the Giants, if their starters they play, be playing it. I don't think they'll play more than a series. They've already clinched that playoff spot. But Philadelphia needs to get right going into the playoffs. They've not played well the last two weeks without Jalen. All
7: right, your turn. All right, okay, let's say yep. that the Packers get into the playoffs.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay, who goes further? Tom Brady and Rodgers. Tom Brady. Okay. Okay, so look, right now the way things are situated, the Bucs hosted Dallas Cowboys in that card okay. round. So I think Tom Brady, the way they can... Finish games. That's basically all they do is finish <laughs> games. All. They don't play yeah, the whole game, They don't they play finish. before that. But the way they can finish games, I think that is something that's going to put them over the top in this scenario. The other scenario is... Aaron and those Packers have to go play the 49ers. The 49ers. Anybody wants to mess with them, Mike. No, 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 no. Now, I mean, this question was hard for me
7: because at the end of the day, I do think the Green Bay Packers are a better team yeah. than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it, the matchups are matchups are everything, right? And Aaron Rodgers, he's 0-4 against these 49ers in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm gonna have to say Brady goes further. Yeah. All right.
1: Look, there are still a lot of questions as we continue to wait on a medical update on Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. And amidst all of this, teams, including the Bills and the Bengals, they're still trying to do their best to get their guys ready to take the field for the Week 18 games, which will be played as the league announced yesterday. Checking in here on social media, Miles Sanders posting this on his Instagram account, saying the whole nation loves you, bro. I can't wait for you to see it. You've been on my mind since. Of course, this, a photo of Miles and Damar Hamlin. NFL teams opened up their media availability today. More players shared their thoughts.
6: Really puts things in perspective. Um, We go out there every week, um, and I'm not gonna say we take it for granted, but you go out there and you play a game that you love and you just enjoy it. Um, You don't think about uh, things like that happening. And uh, whenever something like this happens, um, I think it impacts everybody. Like,
7: I call him a neighborhood hero. Uh, he he inspires so many people in Pittsburgh. Uh, being a Pittsburgh kid, uh, he's everything. He embodies Pittsburgh, um, and so I call him a neighborhood hero. He's like a superhero out there, and everybody and everybody loves him. So um, that's 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 what I want to see. I want to see him get back out there and just be be the hero that he is. Hope well, he wakes up and be with his family and you know continue to to enjoy his life. And um, a lot, like a lot of people said, we risk our lives, you know, playing this game, and you know, sometimes you don't think something like, something like that
0: can happen. It's uh, I think it's scary for everybody to see that, and um, you just hate that something like this happens to to someone, especially a guy like Demar, a guy I played against in college, uh, I think twice. So, um, just just a tragedy, obviously. So obviously, our prayers and our thoughts are with with him and his family.
6: It sent chills through through my body when I was watching it, and. Um, all I did was just sit there and pray for him because that's all you can do when you when you feel like you can't help um, and so uh, like I said uh, I've been watching updates just like everybody and trying to make sure that uh, first off that DeMar is is healthy and he can get back uh, because at the end of the day we're, we're people we're not just players and I think uh, I think everybody understands that even more now.
1: Yeah, it's been hard for the league to continue to operate as business as usual. That just doesn't exist right now. But as teams prepare for week 18, Demar Hamlin is top of mind. Jalen Waddle posting this after the game on Monday saying, praying for Hamlin, man, for real. Here's Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel.
0: It's hard for
6: me to, to, you know, just to see all that hurt, all that, you know, you'd you, I don't pretend to know exactly what it feels like because I wasn't there and that would be insulting. My heart just breaks for everyone involved, specifically DeMar's family and himself. But also, um, everybody that chooses to, to play football and at the same time, my first, foremost priority is, um, you know, trying to get this team through, um, you know, some tough times and, and feel a win again.
1: All right, Cameron Wolf has been in Cincinnati, first at the University of uh, Cincinnati Hospital uh, from Monday night and yesterday. You've since moved to the Bengals facility. Before we get into the team cam, what is the latest that you've heard on DeMar Hamlin's
12: condition? Yeah, MJ, the updates we've received about DeMar Hamlin today have been positive. The Bills put out a statement saying that DeMar showed signs of improvement overnight and yesterday and speaking with members close to the family and with the family over the last 12 hours, I've been told that he has been showing positive signs and doctors have been happy with what they saw. It was in line with what they were hoping to see overnight. Now, look there's been no clarity on his long-term progress. And look, there's still at this point, no clarity on the timeline for him to be upgraded from critical back to stable conditioning. But right now the family is in a waiting period just like most of us are as see if DeMar Hamlin continues to heal from his pain physically. Now here, at the Bengals stadium, they are trying to heal from their emotional pain. And I was out at practice a few hours ago seeing Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase do their stretches. And I, I want to focus on T. Higgins here because he was the player who was also in that collision with Demar Hamlin that led him to collapse. And I was there Monday night when T. Higgins was leaving the stadium with his mom and he was rather emotional. Burrow said that T's been shaken up just like all of us. Well, there were some comments in the media and throughout social media putting some level of blame on T. And I want to make clear that I spoke with a family member of Hamlin's today who made clear they were frustrated by the criticism of T and they wanted to stop. And what we should know about this situation is empathy, humanity, and emotional and physical health as we move forward and hoping to get good news about tomorrow.
1: Cam, thank you for that misplaced blame when the focus should be all on DeMar and his healing here. All right. Cam, Wolf, thank you for that.
3: I want to thank today's special guests. I want to remind DeMar Hamlin's family and friends and the entire Bills organization that we are with you in this moment and the next, whatever that moment brings. Please join us tomorrow for another episode of NFL Total Access, the podcast. Yes, the final week of the regular season beckons, and with it, there are questions to answer. We will try, as always, to ask the right questions and give you the most accurate answers we can. Till then, please take care of you. Please take care of your crew. Ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,